Welcome back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast, a pop eye culture podcast. Oh, new wow. Career, God, why didn't we do that one? <laughs> a new career arc series that we are calling Good Mike Hunting on the films of Mr. Robin Williams. Welcome to the show. My name's Ernest. We bought a mic, we bought a mic, we bought a mic, we bought a mic. My name is Hunter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, notice I did a house. Shelley Duvall. I did not do a Robin Williams impression. That comes later on. Thank you. I'm, yeah, it better come. And uh, I'm Drew and we have, well, if you remember from our last career arc series, it all started with one guest. And you're back again, aren't you? Hell returning yeah. <laughs> after helping us start the Nick Cage series with Moonstruck from the Zillennial Canon podcast, Miss Kira Koffer. Welcome back. I'm so glad to be here. This is like best case scenario of the bracket win, I think, personally. I'm, I'm glad you think that because I was pushing really hard for Robin Williams. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to do too much campaigning. I didn't want to sway it like you guys. I waited till like the late rounds, but it's <laughs> like he was absolutely fucking destroying like the whole time. He he, mm-hmm. he secured it. Yeah, just yeah. landslide yeah. every poll. No campaigning was even required for Robin Williams. It was one of those things that we put on there where you're like, yeah, what's for Robin Williams as a three seed? Like didn't really think through it, but I feel like if we would have thought about it more, it makes sense that Robin Williams destroyed everybody he's like one of the most universally loved people ever like nobody and one of the most interesting actors yeah he's just <laughs> in like weird shit honestly yeah like, so, yeah and we're we're diving right into that today oh yeah well i, I want us to share like overall thoughts on on robin and you know how what he means to us and what we think of about him but first of all just a couple things kira mm-hmm. it's 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 a pleasure that you are now by default the starter beginner guest of our career arc series now <laughs> we're on a trend officially between this and moonstruck where you are are uh, helping us uh what are we doing are we diving into the deep end or are you guiding us slowly into the shallow end i don't know uh, well, it's one or the other. <laughs> Last time I started you guys off with probably the best film of the person's career. <laughs> yeah. Strong and contender. You did it again. It's crazy. <laughs> two for two. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're if we're you, basing talent, if we're basing like quality of film on size of forearms, then I'd say like a hundred percent yes. Yeah, if we're if the if the the measurement is amount of lines that had to be completely re-recorded in ADR, yeah, then it and is still the best we're movie pretty, of all time. still we're pretty inscrutable to the human ear. Yeah, <laughs> at times, movies I, that I wouldn't be able to watch in a theater for lack of subtitles. Honestly, you know. It's about the found family, such as finding a baby in a basket. It's the found family all along. The the forearms, the found family. That's it's the Christ story. 
I want to get Wait, something no, out not. of the that's way. It's Moses. I'm sorry. Yeah. Moses oh, yeah. Dude, you don't know your Bible, your Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a Quran guy. Um, um, I want to get something out of the way first, though. So we decided I made an exec- executive decision to call this series Good Mike Hunting uh, because I received a lack of feedback from my fellow co-hosts. All I got was a thumbs up. No, absolutely. All I got was a thumbs up emoji from Drew. (laughs) I said I wanted dead podcast society. I said it straight up. That's great. Are we gonna have to make an executive decision to change it to dead podcast society? Or will we not backtracking? I just wanted Kira's takes on the alternate title. So dead podcast society. You have to keep in mind that he's dead. Yeah, that's why I didn't yeah. go with it. Um, I don't. I don't think that's that too much of an issue. I think it's. But I, could, I think it's a badass name, but it also sounds like you guys are doing like a horror miniseries or something. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. point. There's yeah. that. There's also this movie it, is kind of horrifying. It could be taken say. as us making light of uh, suicide because uh, of what happens in Dead Poets Society. So you know, oh it's. My uh, God. <laughs> Who is who is going to litigate our our fucking stupid podcast? I don't know, man. Matter? We we have like we have clout now after tri- post Tribeca, like we have clout, so we can't. Yeah. We gotta gotta tread lightly here. Uh, Mrs. Podfire was That's another one. one. Uh, Pod Kira. Centennial cast. Kira, don't don't give him that. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> my on. entire podcast, like. We will do series based on like Adam texting me like in the middle of the night and being like, July light. We need to cover all of the Twilight movies in July. <laughs> so, yeah, that works out great. anything like that. that, like, I'm just like, cool. <laughs> I I pushed for um, a man of the year or uh, what was it? Not man of the year. Uh, fucking, um, you know, the movie that I want to cover. <laughs> Man of the Year. That yeah. was the one. Right? I wanted to do Pod of the Cast, right there. <laughs> sure. I wanted. I wanted to do a play on RV called Podcast. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> for you guys to watch RV. PC. Yeah the the inaugural Zillennial Canon yeah. movie. RV is a classic. I love RV. I saw RV in a theater whenever it came out. I yeah. Went, never yeah. forget the scene where he like just squeezes shit all over himself from the RV. Iconic. Iconic. <laughs> That's Zillennial canon right there. It really is just getting covered in shit. <laughs> <laughs> the the other alt titles, they it's just diminishing returns with each one. Pod Centennial cast. Uh good morning Wabam. I actually have a soft spot for that one. I think that one could have been good. And That's one cute. hour podcast. See, that one's like a promise that we won't fulfill. (laughs) Like, that's just, that's not going to happen. People are going to be like, oh, cool. Like, it'll be exactly 60 minutes. And look at it and they're like, it's 180 minutes. What the fuck are they talking about? The movie is half the length of this podcast. Yeah. And the answer is nothing important. Don't worry about it. So we went with Good Mike Hunting, which I think is is a great, like, it's the Marvel movies of podcast series titles. It's just going to please the the widest range. It's a four quadrant title. And look, so it's pod your cast. It's pod your sure. cast. Okay, okay, we have to pod your cast. <laughs> so generally, um, I'm a massive fan of Robin Williams. He he checks a lot of boxes, especially it makes sense why he won in the polls. 
uh, because, because of the many acts of his career. Like as a child, I knew him as a, honestly, like a, just an actor in kids movies. I didn't know anything about him beyond that, like anything at all. Um, because he's in a lot of like very seminal kids movies. I even like, I remember being from a very young age, like aware of the fact that that's him in Aladdin. Like it's pretty right. unmistakable, even though it's like just his voice, it's his personality. Um, big RV fan, of course. And then as you age, you're like, oh, wow, this guy is also like one of the like 10 most talented actors I've ever seen in my life. Dramatically. Yeah. Uh, pivoted away from being that good uh, most of the time later in his career. But my God, he yeah, he did some absolutely uh, slammer performances. Oscar winner. We love him. Uh, funny guy. Seemed kind hearted. Big fan. Kira, what what are your overall takes on Robin Williams? What do you how do you remember him? How do you feel about him? When and what do you think he brings special to his movies in your eyes? Um, I think he's just like a comforting presence. Like he just feels like somebody that like everybody knows. Um, like he just like I don't know. He's just like such a like bright like one way I. Okay, this is how I think of Robin Williams. So, um, my grandpa, this is, like, kind of off topic. My grandpa is from Eastern Europe, so he's just very, like, cold. And, like, he's, like, I hate, like, American media because he used to be a filmmaker. So he's, like, American TV, American media, I hate it. And then the other night he just, because he kind of speaks in, like, broken English and, like, types in, like, broken English. He's, like, watching old interview with Robin's William. I miss him. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, me too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> like do, my grandpa. like cold like grandpa. <laughs> yeah, he's, so he's universal. He's, yeah, he's beloved. He's just you know the best. I I think the fact that he is gone, I, I think, adds to that added level of admiration and love that all of us have for him. Obviously, when he was alive, everybody loved him. But after he died, and especially the way he died, it was like, holy shit, like this guy was like truly special. And I think he brought so much just unique craft to his um, to his acting and, and so much energy and just uh, off the walls, like dynamic movement. And we'll get to that in this movie. I think that that's one of the best things about, uh, you know, what you can take away from this movie is that like he is just bouncing off the walls with just energy. Um, and I think uh, we can talk a little bit about like his pre Popeye stuff that captures that too. But Hunter, let's, let's hear from you overall thoughts on, on Robin. What, what is special about him to you? Yeah. I mean, you guys touched on a lot of it with like Aladdin. I mean, Aladdin was like my f- that was one of my top three or four favorite Disney movies growing up. So I watched that all the time. Jumanji. I was a huge fan of as a kid flubber. Uh, fun fact. I actually owned two VHS copies of flubber because I had a copy of flubber on VHS. And then my uh, soon to be wife also has a copy of flubber on VHS. So we just both have the same copy. It's great. Um, doubles is good. Yeah. Doubles is safe. Tri- triples is safe. Triples is best. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's like Robin Williams has been there for forever. I remember I sent some videos um, to our group chat, uh, but it was 
some clips of him on Whose Line Is It Anyways? And I actually remember whenever I was a kid, my dad, one of the only cool things that my dad did was my dad's like his favorite show is Whose Line Is It Anyways? So whenever I was like, from between the ages of five to 10, I watched so much Who's Line and it was like incredible. It probably like shaped a lot of my sense of humor today. And I remember seeing Robin Williams on my episode. My dad was like, oh yeah, it's that's Genie from Aladdin. And that like blew my mind that this was like actually like a funny guy. Like I just knew actors as like, you know, you're an actor, you're Tom Cruise, you're serious. Cause that's, <laughs> that's why your I, standard. That's why I hate <laughs> child. Me, Tom Cruise was this golden standard of fine acting. So like, I mean, now looking back, I mean, you talk about the manic energy that he has and I want to, I could devote a whole episode to talking about his whole standup and everything. Cause it's wild. Some looking back at, his energy that he had, but you watch that and it makes sense why he was cast in this movie because that's Robert Altman. Whenever he was making this movie wanted to make like a Charlie Chaplin style slapstick 1920s, very physical comedy sort of film. So it makes sense to uh, try and cast Robin Williams in that role. Does it work? So yeah. You know, this is maybe. 1980. Like you said, Robert Altman, uh, director of movies such as the long goodbye nashville um there was another big one that he did oh he did mash yeah Matt, mash was one. his big big box office head before nashville even and uh this is essentially robin williams first movie uh he did one before this called can i do it dot 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 till i need glasses um no no clue what that is <laughs> Incredible maybe title. we should watch it um but this is essentially like his coming out party which is crazy that like it's like an iconic character from newspaper comic strips and then later a cartoon which by the way uh there's a ton of episodes of the cartoon on hbo max right now and i was going through some of them and like man the purity the, the simplicity of that cartoon and how it's just like these weird scenarios that just uh, uh, distill themselves to Popeye, like being bullied and then in turn, like bullying uh, whatever his name is. I forget the guy. And then like uh, olive oil just being caught in the middle of their antics, uh, which is essentially like the plot of this movie <laughs> with a baby thrown in there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like, you know, obviously nowadays we live in a, in a movie world of extreme IP reliance and comic book movies. And, you know, everything is based on Marvel or DC superheroes from comic books. But in 1980, this was the comic book movie. This <laughs> was the big IP moment, uh, was this before Batman? I think wasn't Batman like late eighties. Yeah. 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 yeah well, so this was almost a full decade before the, that era was ushered in where they were like, all right, let's, let's dig in the IP mine of newspaper comic strips and give it to Robin Williams. Well, there's, I, I guess we can kind of get into it now a little bit, the background of this movie, but this movie exists as a cash grab. Like this, this movie was, was well, not even it's, it's like barely even it was almost made out of spite. Yeah, <laughs> it was made to be a musical out of spite. Absolutely. Um, 
So for a little bit of context, um, back in the late 1970s, Columbia and Paramount got into a bidding war for the rights to Annie, the comic strip turned Broadway musical and Paramount lost. And so they said, what can we do? Oh, okay, we have the rights to Popeye. We're going to make this and we're going to make this a musical. (laughs) And so they rushed it to put it out before Annie came. Annie came out in 1982. So they got this out a couple years earlier, thinking that they'd like get ahead of everything. If we just throw money at this, we'll get Robin Williams. He's from Mork and Mindy. People love him. We'll get Robert Altman, the guy who made MASH in Nashville. We're going to throw money at this thing. We're going to build this whole set in Malta. They got the guy, um, I'm trying to find his name here, the guy who wrote all the music. Um, Bro, it's it's such Harry Nielsen. Harry, yeah, um, it's such an insane choice. Yeah, Harry Nielsen. This, this is the guy. This guy like did shit with the Beatles. He made, he did the Midnight Cowboy song. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody's yeah. talking about me. Yeah, they were like, we're just going to make this a hit. We are going to throw money at this until it makes us a hit. And everybody thought that it was going to be a hit. Disney co-produced this movie, like produced this movie and had international distribution because they thought this was going to be a big, big, big money maker. And it wasn't I, I'm just gonna, a flop, I, but it wasn't that either. It was considered a disappointment, even mm-hmm. though it it didn't it made back some of its money. I'm just gonna come out and say this right now. The music is not good. Like it's it's really bad. (laughs) The Um, but I found myself like singing it. It was stuck in my head like all day today. I was like, I am what I am, and I am what I am, I am what I am, what I am. It's so bad. Altman had them sing it live instead of VO a lot of the time. And they had to re-record it. It all sounds like ADR. But a a lot of it is live. Um, In in particular, Shelley Duvall and Ron Williams are, you know, I would say they can capably hit a note most of the time. But that's not, you know, they're not not singers by crap. Um, Kira. Yeah. So, so one of the first things you said when we got on is you got 10 minutes into the movie and then you were wondering, why did you pick this movie? So why did you think that? <laughs> so like my history with this movie is similar to my history with the whole entire thing of the movie Hairspray in that I liked this cartoon when I was younger and like I liked like the 2006 Hairspray or whatever. And then like on like HBO or like Stars one day or something, I saw that like Hairspray was on, or I saw that like Popeye was on, and then it was like John Waters Hairspray, and then like this because I was like familiar with like the other one, and I was just like, what the fuck? And like for some reason, I would watch this like a lot when I was a kid because it was just always on like Stars Kids and Family or whatever, and like for some reason i just kind of panicked and i said i wanted to cover popeye because the birdcage was taken and i love that movie (laughs) so like i don't know like the opening musical number i was just like i don't even know how to talk about this (laughs) like i was like exhausted i started this at like 1 a.m and then like i finished it like up until like 10 minutes before we recorded Oh, it was a journey. (laughs) The entire thing, like, it just feels like sensory overload. Like, the entire movie is just, like, you got Shelley Duvall screaming in one ear. You got, like, bad music in the other ear. (laughs) But then, 
there was a turning point the entire time. And I just wrote this as my letterbox review, but the entire time I was watching this, I was just waiting for it to end. And then it ended. And I was like, I think I really liked that movie. <laughs> so after it ended is when you figured it out. Yeah. And like, I think the turning point was, of course, iconic, like predictable when she sings, he needs me. Oh, I was like, this is like the best movie ever made. Like was, literally just in tears. I was in the fetal position when I discovered that that song is from this movie. Cause I love punch drunk love. And I mm-hmm. never imagined that that song was not an original song or at least like yeah. a song that wasn't from fucking Popeye. It's almost like, like Paul Thomas Anderson is obsessed with Robert Altman or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually, I saw, um, this is like a flex. I, a few years ago, I saw Punch Drunk Club with like a live orchestra. Ooh. Like they like played the score. I saw it with Phantom Thread too. Like that's like, <sighs> it's like my goal. They do that every so often at um, Brooklyn Academy of Music. They did the master, but I missed it. Um, but for Punch Drunk Love, um, they had Nora Jones come out and sing it over the movie. And it was like beautiful. It was so nice. And of course, like one of my favorite Carly Rae Jepsen songs, she like samples this, but you know. I it's great. It's a standout moment in the movie. I it's think great. you know if we're if we're doing best moments, which we'll get to at the end of the episode. But this is that number. I think is definitely in contention for best moment because it's not a Robin moment, obviously, because it's just like a spotlight on Shelley Duvall, who like is kind of the MVP of the movie, just flat out, just because like. She just straight up looks like a cartoon character. That's, no, it's, and she and she like still brings the gravitas. <laughs> it's so weird. It's kind of like crazy. Like I feel like it's like underrated in film history how like perfect of casting. Like she wasn't the first choice, and it's like, well, thank God it wasn't anybody else because like Shelley Duvall just looks like fucking olive oil. Like as much as any yeah. human being can possibly look like olive oil, that's what Shelley Duvall looks like. Um. Originally, we were looking at Gilda Radner as Olive Oil and Dustin Hoffman as Popeye. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman, oh, it somehow ma- it makes this movie a lot worse, in my opinion. I love Dustin Hoffman, but uh, I feel like he's trying to play this movie, especially in 1980. Like, he's playing Hoffman? this movie straight. He's coming off of Kramer versus Kramer. He's trying to <laughs> make this a serious role. Yeah, he would refuse to wear the prosthetic arms he would be like no i'm actually gonna bulk up my arms we do know from rain man though that like he is good at doing the mumbling thing (laughs) 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 um Uh, yeah no i i like i like shelly duvall in this um he needs me is like I don't know. Like, I think that I like this song because it's like, you know, it's a pretty little number and it's probably the best song that's in the movie. But oh, yeah, it's the only good song. But yeah, no, I think that that's why that we're even talking about it, because otherwise I think that, like this movie, it wholly just doesn't need to be a music. Like, it doesn't make sense why this is a musical. The whole point of I was shocked that it was. I, had I didn't no expect idea. it to be. No idea it was a musical going in. The whole reason in my mind for why musicals exist is because they either A, are just like banger songs that you just throw in there because you're like, this is a hit. Like this is really, really good music and we like it. Or B, they're used to expedite a scene that's normally characters like just having very bland dialogue with each other. 
That's what that you throw a song in there that expresses that same idea instead of having a shitty back and forth for five minutes. Yeah, and this and movie instead, doesn't there's like, do that. There's there's a scene where Popeye and Olive Oil are just they're sort of like in in a room just like looking at the baby and they they sing for like four minutes about like yeah I like that baby. <laughs> I hella like that baby. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like for the first probably like half hour hour of the movie, it's like none of the main characters really sing. It's just mostly like the people in the town like we live in this town. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what all the songs are. That was that was evidently like a problem that the studio had with the movie. Um it, that came up in like the the production like foible notes is they were like yeah why is why is this about everyone except for popeye Uh (laughs) (laughs) um not to like go off on a tangent really quick but um when we were talking about like the production of it are you guys like familiar with like the town like now yeah apparently it's a tourist destination popeye village malta (laughs) i know it's still there i I Are we gonna record know that, a podcast I didn't know there? You can still go there. Yeah. You can still go there, and it's apparently like kind of successful, even though like <laughs> the film like kind of flopped, and like people mostly don't like it. Um, but it's a museum and a resort, and like Yo. there are no like attractions there. Um, but like like there are no like rides or anything. But you can like go on a boat. Or you can watch, like, behind the scenes of Popeye, like, in a theater. And then, like, every day they'll do, like, a reenactment of a wedding between Popeye and Olive Oil. Oh, my God. All right, listeners, you know what to do. I'm looking up how much is a flight from Orlando to Malta right now. Donate to the show to send the boys to Popeye Village. If you guys if you guys don't meet your um your budget, you can just hop over to Toon Lagoon. <laughs> <That's nearby. laughs> I was there like a week and a half ago. <laughs> Hunter, you sh- you have to go on your honeymoon there, but don't tell Gaia that you're- it's like a Popeye thing. I'm gonna be like, hey guys, we're like, on yeah, our way Malta to New Zealand, is- but we got reride to Malta first. Yeah. she's gonna be like, here. Hunter, why are you chugging spinach? Why are your arms like giant right now? Why do you no, have just, a, just a like- pipe? Just be like, because she knows you got to do like some movie shit. So just be like, oh, Malta is like, you know, reminds me of like before midnight. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then be like, oh, yeah, what's and then like, song? don't yeah, stop like, Um, this, I'm assuming they shot on, they did this on Malta because they had more freedom to just build a village there. Right. Yeah. They went um, way over budget, though. Apparently, just, the studio just well, yeah. pulled the plug. It, they, yeah, they built a town. <laughs> um, so Robin Williams, um, I don't remember the exact term, but he compared it to like a like a war camp, <laughs> like the setting of it. I'm not like the set. Do you like, not remember the term, or do you not want to say the term? <laughs> no, it was. Um, let me find it. Hold on, I don't even remember if it was. I think it was like on the like theme parks Wikipedia page so that I found it, but. <laughs> Like he, because there was actually a book about this. Um, like wow. it's like flop Popeye or something. Like it wasn't called that, but um, hold on, let me find the. Also, exact they term. kind of call Flopeye. That's it's just right there. It's exactly. right there in front of you. Come on, <laughs> Flopeye um, the Sailor Man. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I can't. Oh wait, find I I see it. It's in the it's in the Wikipedia. 
So it says that Robin Williams referred to the set as Stalag Altman. And then Stalag is German for POW camp. So, so do you, we think that this was more or less traumatic for uh, Shelley Duvall than the filming of The Shining is the question. I don't know. I think. Well, for her, this was probably fine because she didn't yeah, have to weirdly, wear a bunch of weird prosthetics. <laughs> I, I think she I think she had an OK time, probably. Um, I think that that bleeds through in her, her performance. Um, I kind of I can feel that Robin is a little off kilter at times in this movie. He his his voice is is all over the place in terms of like not in terms of like sounding like Popeye, but like the severity of it is all over there's certain scenes where he's literally just going like thank god it's a lot worse in the beginning in the beginning of the movie like i i like had to put on subtitles like within the first like 45 seconds because i was like i don't know what the fuck is happening i just decided i didn't care about what he was saying (laughs) a a ton of the time there it's adr it dude i swear his entire performance is adr (laughs) And it's still not <laughs> understandable because <laughs> I think they had to wrap pretty fucking quick once they went over budget. They were like, you know what? No, come to America. Fuck it. Leave the village. And then they they had like maybe a week in the booth <laughs> before they pulled plug on that. Something like that. Because the ADR is all over the place. This movie felt like I was dreaming watching it. It, it feels it's surreal. The, the tone of it is surreal. Um, the fact that it exists is I, I had never heard of it because I feel like it's not quite big enough of flop to gain like crazy notoriety. Mm. Um, but I didn't know this existed. And it's, it's Robert Altman directed. And there are a lot of things he's going for visually that are not cartoonish, like being like the color palette mainly um, of this village. It's incredibly like drab and, and, and beige. And then the physical comedy like with that as the backdrop it feels like something i would dream like a lot of the time I, i'll have a dream and i'll wake up and i'll be like oh that was just like a bad like like a bad idea for a movie i don't i don't know if this was a bad movie it's just like it's an idea that like i don't understand are you are you guys familiar with um dick tracy or have you seen yeah. dick tracy yeah, yeah. i've this... been wanting to watch that movie for a long time i've heard about it yeah so like i think i like it um it's like my boyfriend's favorite thing in the whole world um but it has a very similar energy and i like really respect when like comic movies actually like make people look cartoonish and like to the point of it being like terrifying um and it has a similar energy in that it's like Warren Beatty was like, I am making this movie, and it's like a very like talented director. And um Disney like put so much money into it and they like over merchandised it like crazy. Like you could find so much of the merch still. And then like nobody really cared, or it kind of like flopped. And then it was just like, oh, okay. But it has like the same energy of like it's like a musical, and it's just like so like aggressively cartoonish in a way that just does not exist anymore um like i don't know they're just very similar 
to yeah, me. I think, I don't know. I think you're onto like, some. Yeah, what I was going to say is that even like Dick Tracy, because that's kind of similar like how the Schumacher Batman movies are, where they're just like, we are making like this is either is going to look like a cross between a cartoon and like a stage play, not a movie. And like Dick right. Tracy kind of looks like that, too. The problem with this is that like, I don't think that the backdrop is as cartoonish as it should be. Like it looked, the backdrop looks like something from like Oliver. Like it looks yeah. like kind of like it's trying to be too classical stage play or like, this is like, Oh, welcome to the end of nowhere kid. Yeah. I, I almost wish that like the sets were like, the the Grinch movie, the Jim Carrey Grinch movie or I, something so like that. I was saying whenever we were watching this movie is that I feel like um, I could see Ron Howard being a big fan of Popeye because it, there's a <laughs> lot of How the Grinch Stole Christmas in Popeye. Yeah, which is a movie that I don't think works as well as it could, but it definitely captures that cartoon come to life feel that you're describing. I think that that's the best part of of Popeye of this movie is that like it really sells the cartooniness, you know, and, and there are a lot and, of, yeah, there are a lot of like universally very funny visual gags in the movie. Like they're like, like Buster Keaton style shit yeah, where yeah. like, and, and it is, it's it, like you said, it's a mix of that, but also just straight up cartoon stuff. Like a guy gets hit in the head and he gets the, this comical welt that you get in a cartoon. <laughs> when he punch, he like punch, punch, punching bags, that one yeah. guy, that whole scene, I think might be my favorite scene in the whole movie because everybody's just like off the rails immediately. <laughs> There's guys like jumping out of windows. <laughs> like it doesn't make any yeah, it, sense. It's so it's so my actually my MVP of the movie is the the shorter guy who is really good at making his neck. That guy is doing some crazy shit in like four scenes. He yeah. is doing things that would like get him concussed. Robin is a bit of a short king himself. He's like barely taller than anybody in this whole movie. Those arms though. So he's got to be like five, seven, right? I meant to Something look it up like beforehand, but Paul L. Smith, who plays Bluto, because they do have a whole song about how he's large. And okay, yeah. <laughs> so he's six with four. no other lyrics. So comparatively, no just, he's large. Comparatively, in Hollywood at the time, he is a large person. I was like saying, I was watching this movie, just like, do you think like they're saying like he's large? He's like five nine. Cause that's just what every dude <laughs> yeah, is like, like five, six, 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 back then, back then the world's fattest man was like 280 pounds <laughs> in 1980 before they invented like carbohydrates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't have bread back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, He's like large. It, that, that got the, the fucking music. So, so many of the songs are so slow and repetitive that they're it's almost like watching like transcendental cinema it's like watching a Tarkovsky movie everything like is food drew they're trying everything to is food <laughs> just repeating the same lyric over and over like you could go like jaunty you're in a fucking sea town and and they uh they make it really woozy you know or Which like I, there was no like choreography either like right. they're just kind of like marching like all the time like little like jolly like townsfolk <laughs> <laughs> like nobody really dances like, yeah. i don't I, know i don't think this movie like clicks 
at all, but I do admire so much of it. Like I, I genuinely like admire the, the look and not, not the look of like the, like what we've been saying, like the sets and, and everything, but like when you look at like how Robin Williams moves, like the way he's like, there's that moment where him and Olive are like dancing around with their bags outside and the way they're walking around and just like running into each other. It's just like, nobody would ever do that in real life. But in this movie, to, yeah. it looks amazing. If, if that's what you're thinking, you're thinking that in every shot of the movie. Exactly. No, that's what <laughs> Bro, I'm saying. No one would do that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like the whole thing, like it doesn't click fully, especially because the story too, because the story is like pretty bland and like no. the baby's like super random. So it's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't click, but there's so many things it, that I loved about it, that yes, I, I admired I, about it. I, no, I, I kind of agree. I respect it for being a movie that made me feel weird. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like genuinely that doesn't, you know, it, it takes some amount of something to, to not make me just go like, oh, this is outright bad. To make me just be like, what in yeah. all this is going on? <laughs> I, I know what all the individual elements are, but what they're adding up to is like hitting me in my stomach for some reason. Yeah, it's like more of like just such a bewilderment of a feeling that you're just like, I don't I, like I just it's something that like you can't look away from. You just kind of have well, to keep investigating this, further. Hunter, we watched this like late last night and you made me an, an elixir of <laughs> it, was, it was like vodka and apple I, cider. So here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm a fall bitch. Uh, fall is my peak season. So uh, I had I had already had last weekend a like peak fall mimosa, which is apple cider and champagne. And so that inspired me. What if I made a fall screwdriver, which is apple cider and um vodka with a little bit of cinnamon and, sugar on there some caramel drizzled in there and like it was, it was only it was only one drink i know it took me the course of the movie to drink but it felt like you had spiked it <laughs> like it felt like you had given I me did. GHB. i did i gave you i refeed you yeah because i couldn't i couldn't make heads or tails of of what i was looking at here's okay here's a uh an aesthetic question why do we think that robin williams has uh died like cornstock blonde hair i wrote a note saying he's literally like all those like boys going through it at the beginning of quarantine <laughs> when everybody bleached their hair <laughs> and like Jonah Jameson. hill bleached his hair <laughs> like yeah. he's like uh, a- i mean all right we're we're seeing him at the beginning of the movie like sail into town well actually i i have a gripe about this he's popped by the sailor man but he's rowing into town so already it's like red flag, you know, he's not who he says he is. He's rowing when he <laughs> says he's a sailor, but it's like, you know, he's coming in here and later we find out that like his dad lives here, so which I thought I was kind of so crazy. I have so many questions about, like, that is just like, it makes no sense. The story of this movie. His whatsoever. dad who, who's like exactly the same as him. It's like the proto, <laughs> the prime Popeye whose name, so, his name is, happy. is, um, Oh, it's wait, it's Pappy. It was some. It was something else. It was like Pappy Poop Deck. Pee pee poop. It's Pappy Poop Deck. I don't know. We'll we'll get it to is, him. It's Poop Deck yeah. Pappy. Poop Deck. 
Is that canon? That's, is that his so, actual name in like the I'm, comic strips? I'm, yeah, this uh, is lore. This is this I'm is taking that fandom. screen name. <laughs> that's, my, that's my new Abby. Yeah. Um. So one thing that puts you off kilter, I think, in this movie is that Popeye is the character who is being introduced to this really like persnickety town and all its bizarre characters. This town is terrorized by a tax man. Yeah. Who, the the Beatles would absolutely destroy he this imposes a curfew a 9 p.m curfew he, he yeah he literally is the tax man from the song tax man he taxes you for everything uh robin williams doesn't get that shit he he meets the oil family who named their children after types of oil um he's put up in in their hotel the thing is the reason this puts you off kilter is he because he's being introduced to everything he is our our surrogate or at least like we naturally want him to be. We want to be like, okay, so he's the me and I'm I'm going into this town and I'm right. trying to figure it out. But he is so weird. He doesn't act in any way that you would actually act. Like he is weird too. So we have he nothing even to grab talk. onto. We have nothing to like grab onto to figure out what the fuck is going on. And we don't know where he came from before this. Like, where is he? Where is he rowing from? Where is he sailing from? You know, not only why did he dye his hair, but what what how happened long, before? How long has he been rowing for? Do you know how long it takes to like in a classic rowboat like that? No wonder his forearms look like that. If his whole life is just doing this motion, like. I think the the best is that like the interaction that he has with like olive oil's family is just like they're literally just in a family argument and he's like why don't i have food like he's just like talking to himself he's like i'm hungry i don't even have a plate i don't even have silver like he's just like talking to himself <laughs> and, like nobody's even acknowledging him. <laughs> so funny. oh my god I when, feel he, like when he shows up to the house he um there's like a four minute a uh, giant issue about olive oil silly hats mm -hmm. and and he's being completely ignored like no one's even really acknowledging him because she keeps on going up and down the stairs like oh i, I won't wear that is, is that an inn is that like the town inn why is he there do, do they have a room open for him yeah they, yeah they, it's the inn okay. for sure it's i mean it's you know it's a big fucking house um yeah so they're they're putting him up he he finds out about bluto and Later on, the fact that like th they don't have to pay taxes because Bluto wants to fuck olive oil so bad. <laughs> well, they're engaged. They're engaged to be married. That's like a whole thing where like she doesn't want to marry him and she's like putting things in her suitcase secretly to run away. I, I do. I do have a comment about that, which is like all the women of this town are like making fun of olive oil because they're like, ew, like she's wearing wearing Bluto. Ew, he's so large and ugly. Ew. Have you seen any of the other men of this town? <laughs> like, just take a look yeah. around, ladies. Your options aren't much better. At least this guy's got sick, sick unibrow. Just get lost yeah. in. Um, it is also, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of open meanness by everyone in this town. Because then later on in, in the pub, in the bar, that, I love that entire scene like fully um where where popeye is just getting absolutely roasted by these fucking guys um it's an it's an incredible sequence they they go exclusively for the eye for this guy they just met i would personally go for the forearms if i saw that guy mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm going straight there if i'm roasting they they're so mean to him i don't really know why um 
and everyone in this entire city is just absolutely terrified of these men. Yeah. Like there's a cop in there. He runs away. <laughs> that was the funniest. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. That seed, like everybody, once it starts going, everybody's just like losing their minds. There's a guy yeah. who just like jumps out a window immediately. Like <laughs> yeah, that's just, what I love go, to see. They go fucking ape shit because these dudes are so scary. And then these dudes are like, oh, you want, you want us to apologize to you, Popeye? And then they make like every person yeah. in the bar individually apologize. And you then, know why? Like, Cause they'll like they, shove them through a window. They have great sweaters. That's why everybody's so scared of them because their yeah. style is so snazzy. God, I it's, just can't imagine how itchy good. those sweaters are. They look like the itchiest sweaters in the world. And they're like the most normal outfits in the whole movie. Too. <laughs> <laughs> like they're the only outfits that I was like, I would wear these. Yeah, they look like they don't look like cartoon characters. They just look like actual like people who would live in a, in a sailing town. <laughs> they look like an L.L. Bean catalog. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to go. I want to go back to something Kira said earlier, real quick, though. When she was comparing this to to Dick Tracy, like the the thing the thing that I I keep thinking about is that like you know you you were saying that like Dick Tracy didn't really uh, deliver how they hoped, and this movie didn't really deliver how they hoped, even though they were like kind of modestly like they weren't like huge flops. And then when I was comparing, when I was saying that you know in 1980 this was this was comic book filmmaking baby it's like i i know that like nowadays we have this completely different understanding of like what a comic book adaptation is but to me what i keep thinking about is like this is not a this is not just a, a comic book adaptation this is not even just like a cartoon adaptation this is very much a newspaper comic strip uh-huh. adaptation like these stories that existed in like just a couple of frames. And then that's it. That's the only uh, in that you had with these characters and these worlds and these stories. Cause with Marvel, it's like, I think the reason why Marvel is like the juggernaut that it is, is because these comic books have these long, extensive, detailed uh, backstories full of different characters and stories to pull from and people have been reading them for decades, but it's like, you know, you think about um, Garfield, like what's the lore of Garfield? You know, it's like, no, there is none. There is none. So it's like, when you think about how you translate that to a film, this is Hold what on. you're going to get. What? Guys, I you're news. not going to H- get HBO. No, 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 no. Damon Lindelof is making a Calvin and Hobbes miniseries for HBO. It's breaking oh, news right now. I fucking wish. Don't you test what do you me mean right you now. Wish? That would suck so <laughs> I bad. I was literally thinking in my head, like, thank God they never made a Calvin I know. Hobbes movie. Thank, thank God Bill Watterson is so reclusive that he like hasn't left home. And he's like, years. I don't want money. Please don't nah, give dude. me money. Yaya Yaya Abdul Mateen in tiger paint what if what if tom Stop. hooper okay guys tom hooper Stop. is making Stop. calvin and Hobbes. eddie redmayne is gonna play calvin um no so here this is <laughs> it is a good point though to bring up like like garfield or another one that's it's not a, a newspaper strip but it's similar uh in cartoon form is like tom and jerry where there's just there's not much to understand but yeah, so then they, they make a fucking Colin Joe centered garbage fest. <laughs> so when they when they make those movies, they give you like those movies aren't good. 
at all. But they, but what they do is they like give you a, a non-canon character in some cases, a lot of them to like be <laughs> real. And so you can be like, okay, these are people who are observing this cartoon and being like, whoa, that's a crazy cartoon. In this, you were unmoored to reality. You were you were smack dab in the middle of an insane vibe. <laughs> well, have have y'all ever seen the movies where it's like Tom and Jerry in another movie? Because I watched Tom and Jerry and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, and it was literally just a terrible animated version of Willy Wonka. And then every like five minutes, they would like cut to like Tom and Jerry just like beating the shit out of each other. Oh, this looks. <laughs> Oh, I'm so conflicted about whether I it was a good idea to Google this at all. Don't watch it. Oh my gosh. What this is horrifying. I was expecting I feel like they've done a few of these, right? Because I feel like I've seen yeah. yeah, It wasn't like Wizard of Oz, but I've seen like one of these before where it's just another movie, but then just Tom Mm -hmm. and Jerry are just in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Don't watch it. I watched it like immediately after watching like the original one and then like charlie and the chocolate factory after it like it was like a like a little marathon unhinged like um but you, you watch tom and jerry and you're like i like this you watch uh, willy wonka and you're like i like this you're like what if we combine these two things together what would happen literally like um we did not realize um, that it would be like literally just like shot for shot, like word for word, just Willy Wonka. But it was like watching the movie again, but terrible animation plus Tom and Jerry. That is, I hate that. I don't. Do, that's another. That's another idea that I don't even know how you would conceive. Do we think that we could get in like the next ten to fifteen? maybe like the next like 50 years when we like completely run out of ideas. Do we think that we could get like a a horny Betty Boop movie? Okay. Like, can we like retake? It'll be like this is just like taking back the Betty Boop character. Like she's not just like a femme fatale anymore. She has an arc. Do we want to start the Bam newspaper comic book adaptation studios? Is that what yeah. you're trying to pitch right yeah, now? Yeah, that's us. The oh. craziest. Sorry. So go ahead. No, the go craziest ahead. thing to me, um, in like revisiting Universal like a few weeks ago. Um, is the fact that there still is like a full Betty Boop store? Like there's still, Whoa. yeah, there's still like a market enough to have like a full Betty Boop store. That is insane to me. And they have so much merch of her. Um, like I think I don't know if they like moved the store completely from like the main like you know street. I don't know Main Street and Universal. Um, there used to be a full one there. And then there's also one in Toon Lagoon. Like, I mm-hmm. either they, like, moved it or there's two. But, yeah, and you could do a meet and greet with, like, Popeye, Olive Oil, and Betty Boop still there. Oh, What's yeah. funny is, like, I don't see people wearing Betty Boop merch, but that store's always packed with people. And I always see people buying shit there, but I've never I, seen I've it seen, out in public. Like, not in the last, Betty like, Boop 10 around. years. It was, yeah, it was worn by a lot of, like, I remember kids wearing it a lot and when I was in, like, elementary school. Even though no one uh, like watched Betty Boop content ever, right? What about what about? Do we think that we could get a Dilbert movie? Oh my god! Is there a Mark? Are you just, you're just going to go through all of them? Well, Scott Adams like is, is a bit of a character at the moment, and I don't know if we want to touch his property. All right, yeah, no, we'll do. I'll, I'll, let's greenlight far, the Far Side. The Far Side. I think we can make that right now. Far, far side or family circus i think could be the next one to pop off yeah but only only the ones that are like not even a joke it'll just be like <laughs> just... you know grandpa 
sometimes I think you're the coolest guy in the world. And that's the whole cartoon. <laughs> it's, it's like a two that's, minute that's movie. The movie. That's the movie. It, it'll be, we'll do a Dennis the Menace. Uh, just be him just going. Wait, is there, is there a Dennis the Menace movie? There has yeah. been. It, okay. They're very There's bad. Been, uh, haven't there been like a few of them? Like there are yes. like direct to Redbox ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think that there was sense. one like way back in the day. Like, I yeah. think there was one like back in like the 80s around the same time as this. Pretty they, sure. Um, I'm working on a Mallard Fillmore spec. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If we're being if we're being real right now, if we really wanted to make money, what we would do is you would do peanuts in Riverdale form. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You do peanuts as Riverdale. That's how you do it. That's is that how you what make Riverdale the money. is? I don't know. I've only ever seen the pilot of Riverdale, so I can only. Well, Riverdale is it's Archie. Just... It's oh, Archie. that's right. It's Archie. Yeah, which is like, is Archie a newspaper strip? I guess it is. No, those are no, those are like full um little mini comics you get at like a grocery yeah, store. Yeah, they are like twenty five pages or something like that. Yeah, and they then they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Kira, when are you guys going to cover the Bill Murray Garfield movie on oh, Z Cannon? <laughs> it's been threatening from afar ever, since, is we, ever since we started it. I I would love sorry, I would love like a like a Kathy movie, like you know, like the woman who's like, "Ah, you know, that'd be good." But who's like playing Kathy Andy Samberg in character on SNL. <laughs> yes, yes, he was so good. Andy Samberg's Weekend Update characters are arguably sometimes better than digital shorts. He did so much. Um, I will say, as a kid, I loved the Garfield movie. I also loved the Fat Albert movie, and I feel like both of them have somehow aged horribly. Like, they both mm-hmm. aged just like <laughs> like whole milk. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, um, let's wait, talk okay, about the... So quickly, so one other comic, actual comic thing I want to talk about that will tie us back into this movie. So the character Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea? Sweet Pea? Is that... I, I don't know. I don't... I, I think it's S-W-E-E apostrophe P-E-E. So is that how you spell the... P-E-E? Sweet Pea. No, it's P-E-A. It was a P. That's what the subtitle said. I, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it's I not like <laughs> Well, like <laughs> sweepy. I don't know. <laughs> like the baby is sweepy. You, you sweepy. You tired. Oh, <laughs> very, okay. very tired. Um, <laughs> so the baby was actually originally not going to be in this movie at all. There was. They were trying to do a Popeye character called Eugene the Jeep. Have you guys ever heard of this character? Look no. up Eugene the Jeep. It's like a a really weird tiger-like creature that's in the Popeye extended universe that has it's an alien with oh, supernatural. This guy, yeah. It has a uh, supernatural abilities. And apparently when they were making this movie, they were like, Oh yeah, Sweepy the baby, the baby is telekinetic and the baby can see the future. <laughs> and apparently that's what's happening in the movie. Don't tell me when the baby ever actually tells the future. That's a real thing that Altman and the, the writers of this movie wrote for Sweet Pea to be able to be telekinetic and to see into the future. This is. I saw, this, this explains a lot in on, a way. On the sorry, 
What? I just read on the Eugene the Jeep Wikipedia page. It says in universe information, species Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I see him with a speech bubble and he's saying Jeep Jeep. <laughs> Oh my god. It's like it it's ties into cute. the Transformers universe. You gotta you gotta put him in the movie. It's a it's natural fit. They He's wanted cute. to put him in and uh they asked for more money and Paramount was like, absolutely not. No, you're already <laughs> over not. budget. You're out we of will money. Not do this we this guy you... pops up he pops up in the in the cartoon all the time. How how would they execute this in the movie? Because they have a big old rubber octopus in the water which doesn't look as bad as i do it, it doesn't would. look bad at all like it, you buy, i mean obviously it, really it, doesn't. it doesn't look like a real thing but, but you're never this, thinking the only thing that did look bad though that i thought that was like very like my uh college film vibes uh <laughs> is when olive oil is like putting the tentacles on herself to try to make it seem like it's dragging her down. <laughs> She's like, oh, no. Apparently like, that was a nightmare to deal with. Like it kept breaking constantly on set and that cost them a lot of money and time. And that was one of the main reasons why they went over budget is because it's not the best. Like it looks pretty good, but it, um, it didn't work for, very well. <laughs> I, I think that for Eugene the Jeep, they would put a little guy in a costume. Yeah. Wizard of Oz yeah they definitely and yeah they would like just use like a maltese child to and just like stick him <laughs> in it and make him walk around yeah yeah they would just ADR pick a random kid off the street like hey you want 20 bucks all kid? this shit on me i don't want to be here anymore that's that's literally robin williams comparable <laughs> <laughs> forearm situation and um, then and then when he eats the spinach, it's like there's a whole guy in the arm. They put a guy in his arms. They wait so long for the spinach reveal. Dude, way too wait long. So long. <laughs> way too long. Yeah. It, well, because uh, he doesn't think, like it. He doesn't want to eat it. That's the whole thing. Well, he has so, to be yeah. forced it down his throat. The other reason this movie per- perplexed me so much is like I couldn't find an emotion anywhere. I could, and I, it, I was, it's finally, it's probably stupid to look Pain. for because this is just like a silly movie. But I, I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to feel from scene to scene, and even just like simple uh, plot like relayances, I was having trouble with. Like when he meets his dad. His dad refuses to admit that that's his son for like minutes. He he's like, no, that, even you're though not they my look son. exactly the same, I don't have a son. You're not my son. Uh, you know how to prove it? Eat this spinach. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, see, my son would never eat his spinach. My son never would. Eat it's like, yeah, you. Dad, I got I got this pipe. I got this pipe in my. We got the same pipe, Dad. It just, it just he just like switches mid conversation. He's not he's not happy or sad. Like he's not really feeling any type of way about it. No one's really feeling anything. So that scene is my favorite scene in the entire movie because the guy who's playing the monologue. That yeah, he gives no, the guy insane. Ray Walston who's playing Poop Deck Pappy. Both of them, they're like crosstalk that they have with each other. That's when the movie is just fe- like purely embracing. Like, oh, this this movie's gibberish, and we ran out of money. 
And so we're just going to have two characters just like talking at each other. It also happens on the boat scene whenever they're chasing after Olive Oil and Bluto, where like they're just going to keep talking. And the scene goes on for like two and a half minutes yeah. too long. Like it's just a little bit too long yeah. for you just the watching entire... them talking, just walking around. It doesn't make any sense. And the entire time somebody's just screaming like, haul ass. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure it's just, like, the same, like, sound bite that they recorded of just somebody saying haul ass, like, one time, and it's just played, like, 20 times over, like, chaos. They Like, they definitely just ran out of time. You know what I, you know what I just realized? The whole, like, boxing sequence must have been, like, an added on thing to just pad out the runtime. Even though this movie is, like, does it go over two hours? It's like, right, it's like, like 150 something. It's not quite like they two. They didn't but... need to add that, but they just put this like boxing sequence in there just to like, hey, you know, like, he's well, strong. Just like, they're he's like, a strong hey, guy. Hey, uh, we need more like shit to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, they need more like <laughs> yeah. Popeye things because like, and guess what? If I'm cutting something, I'm not cutting the boxing scene because at least it's Popeye doing Popeye shit. I'm probably yeah. Sorry, Shelley Duvall. I think I'm gonna cut one of. I think one of your songs is gonna get axed. Like just one of them. I'm, I think that I'm we can cutting the whole of- song about her Pluto being large. <laughs> one of them don't do. Don't you dare cut everything as food. <laughs> this is so fucking insane. No, literally iconic line. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger tonight. <laughs> so that's another question. Is that Mr. Magoo? Making a cameo because that's Mr. Magoo's deal, right? Is that he's like blind and stupid and like wants hamburgers? That's wimpy. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I'm conflating the two. So yeah, he shows up and he does the hamburger thing, <laughs> and and like everyone in every during the song, like every single person is like mentions the hamburger once. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, Honestly, like if there were more songs by the lead, like by like leads like important mm-hmm. characters that actually moved the plot along i would really enjoy that scene i yeah. think it's like a little fun detour but it's not really a detour because there's no like through line right this movie barely has a <laughs> plot to begin with so why not just go down weird roads that, Might yeah. as well. that, that uh that big like ensemble song is basically the um the stick to the status quo of this movie yeah let's no. go <laughs> No, oh. no, 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 hamburger. Hey, do you guys want to know something? What? Um, I just have to tell you guys. So, Roger Ebert saw this movie. He liked this movie. He gave this him movie and three Siskel, and a half stars. Him and Siskel both liked it. They lo- Not only did they like it, Roger <laughs> Ebert loved this movie. It was He reviewed it on January 1st, 1980. And like was just yeah, like, this is going to be my was like first fun- review. This is the best way to break in the new year. Is with yeah, he said it was a fun romp that captures the cartoony I'll, feel. I'll send it. I'll send a link to it in the uh, the thing because I don't. I like just happened to cross it because I was like, oh no, this is like in peak like at the movies kind of time. I want to see like what what Raj had to say about this, and he loved so, it. There was one other thing I wanted to mention before we get to the the categories, which is um, this movie or sorry, there was going to be a new Popeye in the 21st century that got mm-hmm. canceled. And I'm so curious as what it could have been because it was supposed to be from uh, Gendry 
um oh my god i'm blanking on his name the guy who made um dexter's lab and all the hotel transylvania uh, movies yeah 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 uh that makes sense because yeah you'd have to you'd have to approach it very differently because there's nothing about popeye that's intrinsically going to attract children tartakovsky Tartakovsky, yep who is incredible i've been touting how the hotel transylvania movies are like the best kids movies right now like they're yeah, fucking and samurai, jack. samurai jack dexter's lab like this guy's a genius yeah and so he he there's actually a video on youtube i think it's on like the official sony pictures youtube channel or, or something where they have like a animation test that he made it and looks it looks really cool yeah it looks yeah. awesome ah oh, what could yeah. have been who who's cast to be popeye I don't think they cast anybody. Oh, they never cast anybody. Oh, yeah. get that far. There's Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but I think that's just like, a dead project now. I yeah. see there's uh, an article on SlashFilm.com and Den, Ge- Den of Geek that I'm seeing that's from like May, May 11th, May 12th of 2020. That the Popeye movie is back in development. Oh. So we might be getting it. What were you going to say, Kira? Like, about like the... um like there's nothing about Popeye that kids would want. Like, that's kind of, like, what I felt about this movie, is that, like, who is this for? And I know that's, like, I know that's, like, kind of, like, a dumb way to, like, analyze, like, a movie, but it's just, like, like, because I'm, like, enjoying it. Well, I think, like, I liked it a lot. (laughs) Like, I think I was enjoying myself. It's, like, I don't know what, I mean, I guess that that's why it was like kind of a flop. Like it's just like yeah, no. I me watched Hunter, it as a kid, but I was confused. We, yeah. Me and Hunter were saying this exact same thing repeatedly. We were trying to figure out the audience. We came up with like a, a mix of old people, you know, going for nostalgia because old people back then were like fifty anyway, so it hadn't been that long. You know, that's when you died. But yeah. and then <laughs> and then you know, from what I read, like little kids especially back then you didn't have the, you know, the cornucopia of like children's content that you have now. So kids, kids could glom onto like the funny gags and the silly man and the funny voices. Yeah. You know, there's plenty to grab onto if you're a little kid. And if you are like, if you were in like your fifties or sixties, you're like, okay, well I grew up with Charlie Chaplin. Who's just like this super hyper physical comedy, like so zany cartoon, but live action vibe. And Popeye, because I had the Sunday paper in front of me, and I would look forward to reading those comic strips. So it makes sense, like that. That is the vibe for old people, but you know, that's not who you try and market movies towards. It wasn't who you did it in the eighties, and it's not who you do it for today. I'm sorry. Another thing that really fascinated me is Bluto. Generally, he's mostly breathing. A lot, (laughs) and it's like what? It's really creepy. It's kind of moany. I don't know if have we talked about yet about how he's large. He is large. (laughs) That's a good point. I don't know if we mentioned that. Um, he's just he's like (laughs) toxically masculine. (laughs) Dude, he's so he's 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 large, dude. Canceled. (laughs) Pluto canceled. Yeah, he is. He's fucking weird. He's a weird character. He's he's just like I, fucking pissed the whole time because all he wants is this to bone all. He just wants to fuck all of. <laughs> no, can I? One of the best visual gags. I don't know why the movie does it once. It's kind of 
off kilter that only does it one time but whenever he gets so mad after Popeye he's like like huffing and puffing and windows are like blowing out and everything and then he sees Popeye and olive oil come back together and everything turns red like yeah. the yes. outfits and everything in the background mm-hmm. it's like so jarring because there's nothing like that at any other point in the movie but it's such a cool little visual gag that um that shot is where the white stripes got their whole aesthetic mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah, with the baby too, for sure. It, it, it's yeah, it's so insane. It's like a five, you see, there's a lot of there are a lot of shots that are done in a very like well composed, like different type of movie way. A lot of the ensemble, like crazy action, like comic action sequences, are shot as if it's like Nashville. You know, yeah. the cam- the camera's like meandering in this really gorgeous way, but like it's going from like a guy getting like punching bag punch to like <laughs> to like another guy like in the background going like <laughs> or at the very beginning where there's like two guys trying to lift the piano and it like mm-hmm. almost falls on his head and it's like you know we're in a cartoon it's just it's it so fascinating like, it. like it, it just creates this really really bizarre effect um, I, I gotta admire it Let's uh let's get to the categories. So the well, first I did categ- I did want to say one thing quickly before we get into the categories is um I don't know like we need if we I feel like we need to talk about a little bit more about how Robin Williams um it was not he did not have unanimous approval on the set. Robert Altman in particular was like very very irritated with Roger Williams on the set because you know uh. He's gonna he's gonna do some improvise some improvising. That's what our guy Robin well, you does. Know, yeah. Well, and, you know when he's doing re- that really well is in the shots with the baby, where the baby is like you know actively making noise and he's reacting real time. Yeah, that's like that's literally that Robin Williams sweet. like his comedy is just like oh yeah you doing a thing oh yeah I'm gonna react to that thing like that's that's his <laughs> whole thing like he does it's perfect like he's so good at that but. uh I guess Robert did not uh, find it as amusing how much he was doing. He did not like all of the choices that Robin Williams is doing with his voice and with the pipe and trying to talk like that because Robert Altman is kind of a perfectionist. And he noticed that like the voice is just actively changing from scene to scene. And it was driving him crazy. Jules Pfeiffer, who's the guy who wrote this movie quit mid in the middle of the filming he was actively doing robin was just going way off script well because it was partially because of robin and partially because of um again harry nielsen's music he was just like this is not the music that i envisioned when i wrote this (laughs) script and like he got in like a screaming match between altman and robin williams and everything and then just left malta in the middle of filming I want like a like a narrative film about the making of this movie. Like yeah. I think like, that would be I, like it's Ryan like, um, Murphy's feud. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I want Hearts of Darkness, but about this. It's like kind of this is, it's this not is quite, always apocalypse now. It's not quite as a big enough disaster to get that though, which is like what's sad. Is that if this was just like if everybody came after it out after this movie, it was just like a bum and just didn't really make it. And Robert Altman's career actually was tanked or something. I feel like more people would talk about this as like a disaster movie, but it wasn't really a disaster movie. It just wasn't as big of a success as it yeah. should have been. He just had a bad time. Yeah. Um, so, look, uh, I almost said Cajigories. Cajigories. Uh, hey, Put him in a cage. I don't know who that is. Um, all right. <laughs> Categories. 
best Robinism. So this is pretty much what you were just saying, Hunter, like these little choices that he makes in his performances that make him unique that nobody else can do usually improvisational uh, and just putting his own stamp on it. So, you know, with cage, this was best quotes because of just the wild spins that he would put on line readings. But for Robin, we're not going to, it can be a quote. You can pick a quote, but you don't have to, you can expand it to any choice that he makes in the movie, in his performance that you think is outstanding. Um, And we're going to, we're going to have to, you know, work on these categories throughout the course of this series. Cause we're just now, this we'll is the first there. one we're discovering Robin and what he brings I, to the table. I have one. I think the scene where he meets his dad, it reaches a point probably like five minutes in where I, it's like an SNL sketch where they're doing like the walk-in sketch where everyone's doing the impression of walking. It's, it's like him and his dad are trying to out Popeye each other. And Robin, there's a point where Robin is like, I, I could have sworn he was just looking straight at the camera and just going like, like not saying, not saying a word for like a minute straight. Um, that's, a good, so that's, that's a great one. You I mean, have one Kira? That was going to be my pick for best scene is just because that is just the whole I, dad. I, meetup. Yeah. That whole exchange is just incredible. Yeah. I don't know if it's really like a choice. I feel like it's just like a general, like, trait of him as a person but i feel like in every movie that he's in there's always a moment where like it like it kind of feels like breaking character but not really where he'll just like make eye contact with somebody and just like laugh and you just see like a little like sparkle in his eye like not to get like super wholesome because like he's making like a weird face in this movie while he does it and has like one eye but <laughs> like i really found like the chemistry between him and olive oil to be like really compelling and at one point like this sounds like so unhinged it reminds me almost of like that scene in the beach bum when they're like dancing on the dock and i'm like that's like a very romantic scene and i just felt like that whenever like him and olive oil were just like walking together on the dock or like like whatever and i'm just like he just is just like he's so like warm even when he's playing these weird like off the wall characters and like even in like rv like there's a moment where he just like looks like like people in his family like in the eye and he just like laughs and i'm just like there he is it's robin yeah he's just a guy he was probably he was you know he probably didn't have the best time on this movie but he was probably always just a great presence on set like i don't think he was one of those guys who just like switched it off when the cameras weren't rolling like he probably kept that energy going you know which probably was connected to a lot of the issues that he would have later on um but in terms of like how he was perceived, it must have been this like unrelenting energy, positivity, like magnetic force. Do we think that Robin Williams? Do we think that Robin Williams watched a or that? Uh, um, excuse me, that Matthew McConaughey watched a lot of Robin Williams and Popeye to prepare for his role in the Beach Bum. I mean, I, like, McConaughey's not, he's not going so energetic here's in that the thing, movie. Yeah. What, Kira, all, all the, whenever you were talking, all that I was hearing is that Popeye like crawled so that the beach bum could like soar gloriously into the sun. Uh, the I beach mean, bum is the greatest film of our lifetime. We will never see another uh, Titanic achievement in cinema. I agree. 
I think that like it's like <laughs> this is so stupid. Riverdale is to Archie as the beach bum is to Popeye. <laughs> I don't know why that just made sense in my head, but Oh. It's like, oh, Popeye, wow. but he fucks now. <laughs> you know, they, they all exist, like, outside of, like, real life, so. Yeah, the, exactly. This, the shot where they're, um, him and Olive Oil are bickering, and they're right up next to each other, and then at the very end, she gives him a little smooch. Mm. Good shot, good shot. You it, know, was very, it was lovely, it was very cute, it was it was sweet. Like, and then, and then after it, he's like, he's happy, but then he's like, wait a minute, you weren't, you're mean to me. <laughs> So my my pick for best Robinism in this movie is I kind of I I have a runner up, which is just the way he holds that pipe in his mouth, like pretty much the entire runtime. But I think that like my actual pick. Okay, this is actually it's probably a stunt double, but when he rolls in that circle. (laughs) That's I know that's not Robin that's Williams. Probably the spirit, the spirit of it. That's probably like not that's a probably. human body moving. Honestly, it probably isn't. It probably is like an actual <laughs> wheel that they made look like a person. Yeah, it's a fucking wheel with a dummy on it. Yeah. That's an Altmanism. That isn't that is Okay, well then we'll go with the pipe in the mouth. I was gonna say my favorite. I, I, that's really good because I honestly that's my favorite like one of my favorite gags of the entire movie is just how like it just keeps like escalating like more and more the cartoonishness um, which sidebar real quick I love how the town reacts whenever uh, Robin Williams pushes the tax man down the slide they act like he just killed the wicked witch of the west like that they're just like oh my god the tax man we just had to push him into the water now we're, yeah. we don't have to pay taxes anymore they didn't, they didn't know you could do that <laughs> oh, they said do uh, that. the quote was uh, fooey on the tax man fooey on the tax man <laughs> Brutal. I was gonna say devastating takedown. <laughs> my favorite Robinism, actually, though, it's funny that you mentioned uh, his chemistry with olive oil, Kira, because mine is his chemistry with the baby. Like, it's just, yeah, it's some. I mean, shout out good baby acting. You know, sometimes there's bad baby acting. It's pretty good baby. It's probably acting. multiple babies, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, also, yeah, it's definitely multiple babies because in the beginning, it's like a small baby. There's one point when Robin Williams picks it it's up. It's a toddler. It's like, it's like a three-year-old that he's picking up. <laughs> like, it's definitely yeah. not Have a they baby. been on this, in this town for like three years? Time works differently in Seaside or whatever the fuck it's called. Sweet, sweet water? Sweet water. Sweet Haven. Sweet Haven. Sweet, sweet, sweet Haven. Sweet Haven. Um, no, but it's just it's just so good. It's the most it reminded me the most of what Robin Williams got famous for with his stand-up, which is just like being so zany and manic and just yeah. like just observational humor and just kind of running with it, doing little different voices and everything else like that. And moving his body, like constantly like walking around mm-hmm. and like picking things up and grabbing people and grabbing things and just like never move never stop moving a muscle like that's uh, the moments where he's doing that in this movie are some of my favorite stuff next category is best moment so this is like a particular scene or a part of a scene that you think is outstanding and it doesn't if you want to cheat and not have it be a robin williams moment then you know you can do that because i think 
that the Shelly Duvall, like I mentioned earlier, the he needs me number, I think could easily take this away from Robin. Sorry, Robin. Uh, that might be my vote. If I, if I had to pick a Robin moment, I would do the, like the bar fight sequence that I kept talking about where he's like punching, bagging that guy's face. Um, I think that's one of the best moments in the whole movie, but yeah, he needs me. It's like, Oh, mine beautiful. is when, uh, during the boxing match when they keep cutting to the blind guy who is like really feverishly like lifting his hat up and down <laughs> on his head. They cut to him three times doing that. And at this point, Drew is I'm like, what did you like put in my drink? On. <laughs> what did you spike me with? I want to go, I want to buy like $10,000 ringside seats at like a some kind of a main event in Las Vegas just so I can have a top hat and I can just vigorously do this in the background <laughs> on live TV. <laughs> That's just, I want to be that guy in real life. With like bl- <laughs> with really dark glasses. Yeah, just- <laughs> <laughs> You would you would kill it, Hunter. You would do great. Thank you. Thank you. You would own it. And then you could uh, get a little like microphone and just be like doing like an olive oil impression every single time oh, somebody like swings oh, a fist. Oh, just be like, We did not um, talk enough about the voice that that happens there. Like it's it's like what's what's a sound worse than scraping metal? Because that's how I would describe the noises that. Shelly Duvall is making with that crack. It's purposeful because it's cartoonish, but I think that if she just acted like herself, not to be like, be yourself, everyone else was taken. But like, I think that if she just (laughs) acted like as Shelly Duvall, like it still would have been cartoonish and would have been 1000% better. Like if she just like acted like a normal Shelly Duvall role. She, but nobody else is doing that in this movie though. She has she's to do cartoonish. something. She's like inherently like cartoonish in like a really good way. She is too in the zone in this movie. I will say it. I think yeah. she's going for it a little much. She's not <laughs> in X Games mode. <laughs> she is not X Games mode. She's she in, won't stop going. Oh, she's oh. in extreme goofy movie mood, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, you can't you extremely, can't alter for it. Yeah, extremely goofy. Um. All right. Did did everybody say their best moment? I don't think we got no. it. Um, I agree that mine is um, he needs me because that was just I was I was waiting for that one. And it's the only good song in the movie. And mm-hmm. it just happens to be one of the best movie songs and like musical numbers. Um, and I think that was like the turning point in which I was like, yeah, this movie is really, really, really good. Yeah. I'm going to great moment. I'm going to go ahead and take the bar scene because the first that happens like 20 minutes into the movie mm-hmm. and the first it's like early. 15, 20 minutes, I was like, woof, this is going to be a <laughs> tough watch, man. Like this is gonna, this is, I don't see this getting any better. And then that's the one scene where they just fully embrace the cartoonishness and I, I vibe with yeah. it so much. When that guy that. jumps out the window, I was like, all right, best movie that, ever. Here it we it go. goes from that right into the marriage uh, scene of Olive Oil running away. And then it gets more cartoonish. And that's like my favorite stretch of the movie right there. Next is good Robin or bad Rob- Robin and how many Robins out of 10. So Robins out of 10, the way we did this with Cage, it's not the quality of the movie. But the scale of Robinness of the performance and the character. So again, we don't know exactly, you know, 
in the context of the career arc, how this shakes out. But first off I the bat, I, I first think I movie, have a sense of where this is going to rank for me personally. I, I think that I think this is good, Robin, because he is like it's not great, Robin, but I think he is like from his first movie, you can tell that he's doing something interesting that like somebody else wouldn't quite bring to this character. And this character already has like a lot of preconceived notions about it. Obviously he's a, like a cartoon that has to be brought to life. And I think that Robin does that uh, really well. So I'm going to go good Robin and out of 10, I'd probably kind of have to go for like a six. Honestly, I'm kind of like right around a six um, just because it's like, I know I've seen other of his performances. I know that like it's not near the the best of what I've seen of his. But other it's movies. not. No, that's not the. It's how Robin is it. Um. Well, it's the same thing for me because like I know what I want from him, and I know that he can mm-hmm. give me more Robin in other movies because I've seen it. I don't. To me, this is like at least an eight in terms of like Robinness because he's going absolutely fucking ape this whole movie. Um. And I, I wouldn't even call it necessarily good, Robin, in my opinion. However, there is no one else that I would put in this role. Like, he, I think that he's the absolute right choice for it. I just think that this movie had so many issues that, like, it, it, it outside is, of him. Know, yeah. A lot of it just came out uneven, including his performance sometimes. You could, you could just tell when maybe there was a rough day on set and, like, he's like, he's, he's mumbling to a point that is way too far. And then other scenes, you can clearly hear every word he's saying, even though it's not ADR. Right. It's, you know, well, that's why I'm lower on it. Cause it's like, even though he's putting in good work, it's not clicking with what we're, with how we're seeing it as audience members. Um, Kira or Hunter jump in. Good Robin or bad Robin. Kira, I'll let you go first. I think it's good Robin for basically like, all the aforementioned reasons it's like really just setting us up for the rest of his career and what we expect to see from him for the rest of his career you know that high energy like unhingedness but still Mm -hmm. like reined in at the same time yeah big (laughs) dynamic choices like a wholesome unhinged chaotic good you know that's yeah yeah, at least chaotic neutral, if not good, for sure. Yeah. So because of that, I think I come down. It's it's not a bad performance. Like, I don't want to just say bad Robin and make it sound like I just wholly dislike this performance. But I have to say, like, it is I, if I had to lean somewhere, I would say slightly bad because of the uneven nature that we're talking about here. Where just like his character is drastically changing scene to scene. There are like some unbelievable highlights with him, but a lot of those are also, I think, some Altman-isms that are really good in this movie. Like, whenever Altman is shining, he's shining, but that doesn't happen all the time. In the same way I feel about Robin Williams. Like, I would say this is a bad Altman movie and a bad Robin Williams movie, but because they're both in it, like, it's not a nothing project. Like, there's still, like, a lot of stuff. There was, honestly, we were talking a lot more about this movie than I was expecting it to be, and I'm higher on this movie after talking about it with you guys than I was while watching it. Yeah. Uh, we, well, me and Hunter watched it with roommate of the pod, Nate. Nate was take? not a fan he, at all. He, he never has takes on anything. 
And in like every like three minutes, something would happen and he'd just be like, nah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He just he's never negative about anything on earth. He's like, I don't know what I don't know about this. But but the thing is, is that he also like kept saying, like, oh, I'm gonna go to bed. And then he never actually left. He sat there and he watched the whole thing. Because like I think it's the same thing, like it's kind of like a car crash in a lot of like you cannot look away from it. Like you yeah. just want to see like this doesn't work, but why doesn't this work? Like I need to peel back the layers more. This is a lot like a lot like Shrek in that it's an onion. Mm-hmm. That was like my exact experience watching it though, in that I was like I had planned on watching half of it last night and half of it tonight after work. And I was watching it so late. And I just kept being like, okay, after after like an hour, I'll go to bed. And then I was just like, after this scene, I'll go to bed. And I just ended up just like standing there in the middle of my room, just like <laughs> staring at it and watching it. Like instead of like getting ready for work, like I needed to. Yeah, I'm picturing you like, with like your hands on your hips. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> just like. All right. It, not able to move just like staring at the movie but i was just like i don't know if i'll be able to just like like it's not bad and i'm not having a miserable time i was just like when will this end but not in like a bad way (laughs) like i can't describe what is what is this nonsense and why am i so intrigued i think this is an algorithm breaking movie we've talked a lot about the algorithm before about how like a one is more watchable than you a mean five. the parabola the parabola why i say the algorithm yeah the parabola this is a parabola breaking oh, movie parabola. um yeah it's the the drew parabola theory i think this is an outlier because i don't think this movie isn't like a one like this isn't a disaster but also like i was engaged in this movie despite yeah. all of its flaws I'm, I'm i'm like supremely glad that you selected this one because i i didn't even know about its existence and i i loved watching it like yeah. it's 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 such an experience. Also, I I love Popeye. I've always been like fascinated with Popeye as a character. Like I'm gonna like just put on the cartoon now whenever I get a chance because like I I've always had an affinity for Popeye and like now I'm just like kind of returning to that part of my youth of where I was like, oh yeah, Popeye the Sailor Man. So- He's strong to the finish because he eats his spinach. He's oh Popeye God. the Sailor Man. So I love spinach. Um, the spinach in this movie, I would, I wouldn't need that either. It, it's, it's canned. Like, it's like radioactive green. <laughs> yeah, it's no also wonder been he hates it. In his like treasure chest underwater it's, for like It's years. waterlogged <laughs> spinach yeah. for like it's, years. It's got like tetanus in it. It's it's nasty, and it just the whole fucking can worth just goes straight down his fucking colon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is like a kind of scary scene. Like it looks like war crimes are happening. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe just like his mouth like forced open and the spinach being poured down his throat. Maybe like, maybe that's what maybe that's what Robin Williams meant about it reminding him of a POW camp. <laughs> yeah, forced yeah. spinach consumption. Um. So what's next? The final category is recaging couch in the spirit of our first career arc series on Mr. Nicholas Cage. uh, We're keeping recaging couch and we are going to pick one character in this movie that we could put as Nicholas Cage. This is so easy. It's so easy. It's automatic. 
It's Bluto. Bluto. Come on. It's yeah. Bluto. Like, I just, I want to see Nicolas Cage do, like, early unhinged Nicolas Or, honestly, yeah. no, give me late stage unhinged Nicolas Cage as Bluto. Huffing like, and puffing around. Know, well, no, I like I like early Cage because when we saw him in Moonstruck, he's like pretty big and he's like hairy. He's got that unibrow naturally. He does have that unibrow. I I dig that. Where you taking me to the bed? <laughs> it's my favorite. I, thing. I want uh, Nicholas Cage to play Wimpy because imagine <laughs> if like he just like strolls into a room and he just starts like. I would. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. And then, like, he's just like not an important character for like, the rest of the movie. He's just, kind just of a cameo. He just pops up in there. And yeah, the whole time you're like, that wasn't Nick Cage, was it? No way. This like, isn't a couple on film. Like fast, yeah. Yeah, fast times at Ridgemont. He's just in the background, the doing, like jumping out a window. <laughs> That's um, a great pick. We also do have to like if you like recasting in general. If you could recast Popeye. It's really hard. Um, Popeye, in my eyes, just basically has to have an underbite. Yeah. Um, that's the only way to achieve that shape of head or something resembling it. That's why Robin Williams is such a great pick. Um, th- I think the person who has the look, I would say, as close as you could possibly get is Woody Harrelson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a he great looks, one. He looks so much like Popeye. Um, I don't know if he has the chops to do that, though. I'll let you know after I watch Let There Be Carnage this weekend. Here's the (laughs) thing is that I thought of somebody who, like, I could see just physically, like, doing Popeye. Not only doing Popeye, being like, yeah, no, this is the role I was meant to play. But I don't think it's good. It's sliced alone. Oh, couldn't you up. see Sly Stallone just be That'd like, be the yeah, worst just, thing I've, always, I've always seen a lot of myself in Popeye, really. Like, I just <laughs> Dude, what just... if what if Popeye was like a guy who went to Vietnam and like mauled a bunch of guys with a machine gun? That'd be sick. Popeye, he, they are both stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they're stupid. They're buff. What guy that, could pull off just big forearms? Do you think not that, chest? No, that, yeah, because that's the thing is that for this slice, the one would have to lose a bunch of muscle and then <laughs> regain muscle back, but only in his forearms. Yeah. <laughs> it's I a think, goose suit. I think if you do um, Popeye in 2021, there's only one answer. Actually, there's two. It could either be like Noah Centineo or KJ Alpha. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that sounds there's like the no worst other shit. Way. And then, like, olive oil is either Joey King or Addison Ray. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to puke. I. It's, um, yeah, I could, yeah, I see it. KJ Appa. KJ Appa. <laughs> it's called, like, um, like, sweet, sweet. Sweet Haven? Yeah. It's just called Sweet Haven. Yeah, it's just Sweet Haven. <laughs> oh my god. Do you think KJ Apo would just be like, I'm the baby's mother now? I'm, yeah. I'm the baby's mother. No, you put, you like, put Tim Robinson in there as Bluto, and he's like, it's not a joke. You don't buy he, it as a gag gift. Tim Robinson is not the worst choice on earth. <laughs> um, But KJ Apo would be, it would be more of like a, you know, you guys really you make fun of my eye and like how I look, but you have no idea where I came from. Yeah. Like you yeah, know, he would be, also be like a sexy Mo. Popeye. Yeah, it would be fucks. reclaiming Popeye's disabilities. No, we yeah, would he, have we would have um he would have two eyes to start the series. But then like 
the it's origin. It's just all leading up to like when he loses an eye, and we're all just like waiting. He yeah. got he got hit with a can of spinach, just like Robin Williams in this movie, wow. in the eyeball, and it like it blinded yeah. him. Speaking and of, he had he had to turn to pipe tobacco to like numb the pain. <laughs> It's um, a vape now. A couple other uh, little <laughs> tidbits of internet trivia that I wanted to tell you guys before we left. One of them was, I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but about the live music itself, about the live recording. I mean, Altman did that because he did that with Nashville. And in Nashville, it worked because, hey, they're trained musicians who can perform live. You know who's not a trained musician? Shelley Duvall and Robin Williams. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention. So, you know, at the very end of the movie, when uh, him and Bluto are fighting with each other in the water and his dad throws a can of spinach and it hits him on the head. So that actually, whenever that happened, it hit him right square on the forehead and like guts, blood started gushing out of his head and they had to rush him to oh. a hospital and he had to get stitches in his head. And it stopped the production for like a week for him to heal up for them to keep filming. Jeez. So another fun fact about where's the oral history about the Popeye movie is we can get well, more tidbits about that. We gotta see that. it. We gotta see the book. behind. Yep. I'm gonna look up and see if that's like on eBay or something. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, all right, fellas. Any final thoughts? I think. Uh, I think as a final thought, I'll say that you know I don't regret watching this movie at all you know even though i don't think it fully clicks at all for me i got a lot out of it and i enjoyed a lot out of it too and and i think that in terms of like the series and seeing how robin williams started it's just like such a perfect on-ramp to everything that we're gonna see like it just because with cage i think that moonstruck is an incredible movie but you're not getting quite everything from cage in that movie that we would see later on and here with robin it's like it's all kind of there even though it's not all kind of working fully you can see the all of the pieces i think in a way you could see it too in moonstruck with cage but i you know that's a whole nother beast that we tackled but i think that with robin it's like we're we're gonna see a lot of dramatic stories a lot of dramatic turns from robin um one being uh birdcage right i have i have never seen birdcage in its entirety so i'm uh, really excited birdcage to see that. is so good uh I'm, i can't I'm wait excited for, for the series man this was the right choice um i i'm i'm glad that the audience set us straight here um yeah th this is a good one I have, I have one more recasting for you to chew on um willem dafoe 90s willem dafoe yeah and that's all i'm gonna say for the night my name's been drew Willem with the lighthouse vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. You like me, lobster. That's like Mr. Krabs. That's, that's, that's Mr. Krabs. That's not Bobby. <laughs> um, Kira, what 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 may you uh be Thank plugging? you so much for coming on the show, Kira. We are so <laughs> thankful for your time and your expertise. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I can't wait for the next bracket to kick it off. Please uh, let the people know what you got going on. Plug away. Yeah. So um, I have a podcast called Zillennial Canon where we cover um, late 90s, 2000s movies um, from childhood. We actually started it with the movie RV because we felt like watching the movie RV. 
Um, that's why we started it. But yeah, um, on Twitter at Zillennial Canon. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Garlic Emoji. And that's it, really. Thank you. And um, I, I haven't listened thanks. to it yet, but I'm really excited that you guys did What a Girl Wants because I loved that movie growing up. That was a very important I movie love to it me. Too. Uh, Amanda and Bynes. My co-host didn't. <laughs> yeah. Adam may talk shit about What a Girl Wants. I will say I haven't seen that movie probably since I was about 10 years old. But damn, whenever I was a kid, I loved that movie and I was in love with Amanda Bynes. So I won't let anybody ever talk shit about it. Whatever happened to Amanda Bynes, man? She uh, remember whenever she was in Hairspray. Speaking of Hairspray from earlier, she was in Hairspray, and we were like, "Dude, Amanda Bynes is making a comeback." And then she just like she didn't do the thing with the comeback, which is like keeps working. Like that's the kind so of the thing that her. makes it. She was genuinely like an unbelievable comedic talent mm-hmm. at like a very very young age. Like probably the funniest kid I've ever seen in my life on the Amanda Show. Amanda was, Show, like, yeah. That was better than all that. Like that was an unreal show. And uh, then, you know, the thing is when you're a kid and you get famous, you get all fucked up because right. she's probably uh, suffering be from loud. Yeah. Well, she had yeah. like very public mental health issues. Um, but in the past few years, she actually like went to like school for like fashion design and stuff. Like, Oh, she, like, that's cool. Yeah. She was um, interviewed for, I think it was like paper magazine or something like one of those. Yeah. They like interviewed her and they like had like a photo shoot with her of like what she looks like now and like what she's doing. And she's like working in fashion and like dealt with a lot of trauma and stuff. Good for so, her. Yeah. Amanda Bynes and Robin Williams were in a movie together. Can anybody guess that movie? No? No guesses? Oh, I'll oh. tell you. It's Robots. I was like, it's got to be an animated movie from the early mid-2000s. Man, yeah. robots. we're covering it. Are we? Are we doing yep. a Robots episode? Who yep. got Robots? Uh, that'll be in 2022 because we got a lot more oh. movies before we get <laughs> to Robots. I, we're doing Robots, but we're not doing August Rush. Come on, guys. What are we doing? Hmm. I got lots of thoughts about August Rush. I learned how to play guitar from August Rush, which is just that you like just bang the top of the guitar. Yeah. All right. All right. We got to wrap this baby up. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can email us at webottermike.gmail.com and follow us at webottermike on social media. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. You can also go to anchor.fm slash webottermike and leave us a voicemail and donate to the show and support our trip to Malta to the Popeye Village. Thank you to all the beautiful donors for donating, supporting the show and supporting our dreams of going to the Popeye Village. So thank you. Thank you, Kira. We'll see you in the next bracket, uh, which will be in a long like 2027. Time. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. That'd be really good. Uh, thanks for coming on next week tune in for good morning vietnam 1987 we'll see you there thanks for listening bye bye bye